the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan. Got Mr. Brian Terry back in the co-pilot seat. Thanks for having me back. <laughs> the uh, extended hiatus there. There you go. <laughs> well, between hunting season, you usually ain't going to see Brian on the weekend. That's it. it. It's usually uh, work and hunting. That's right. There ain't nothing wrong with that. Hey, why don't you go give us a call? I'm glad to help you out and point you in the right direction, give you a little advice, try to maybe save you some money, or at least keep you from wasting some money. There you go. That's, that good. That's a good point. Well, the old saying is a penny earned, penny saved, or don't waste your money, because the money that you don't waste is probably better than the money that you made. Because you didn't have to work for it. Exactly. You still got it, but you didn't have to work as hard for it. <laughs> That's one of the biggest things we see. And I probably get three or four or five email a week where someone will email. And it always starts out with, my check engine light came on, and I changed, yak, 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 And they rattle off about six or $700 worth of stuff that they've changed. That's right. And now the light's still on. What do I do? And you just want to scream sometimes. Man, just get the car checked by somebody who knows what they're doing exactly. and save all that stuff because not only did you waste a whole bunch of money on stuff you didn't need, but you may have actually created other problems. That's it. And every once in a while, even old cow stagger up on an acorn. That's you know, right. <laughs> you might fix it one time and think you've done a, a great deal, and the next right. time you spent thousands of dollars. Tons and tons, and tons of exactly. money. Even if you want to fix the car yourself, which is nothing wrong with that. A lot of people enjoy that. That's it. But at least go bring it somewhere and get it checked. Let them tell you what's wrong with it, and then you can do the work yourself if you need to. Exactly. Cars are a whole lot more complicated than they used to oh, be. Oh, yeah. You, and if you don't have the knowledge behind them, that's right. even the guys that worked on them way back oh, yeah. are Man, lost today. They have up. Guys that I worked with like, shoulder to shoulder in a dealership. 35 years ago and they got to call me now man what you know they, exactly these are line mechanics 35 exactly. years ago but they don't have a clue anymore and it's like i told a guy today i said i mean you are going to run out of money way before you run out of guesses oh definitely because <laughs> there's a whole a lot thousand, of guesses yeah thousands and, and of parts each there. one is way 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 expensive let's go to our phone lines we got mike online good morning mike Hey, uh, good morning, Louis. Good to hear from you today. Yes, sir. Look, I have a, a 2000 Ford F-150. Yes, sir. I have right at 342000 wow. miles on it. Wow, good for you. Truck runs great. Uh-huh. The problem I have now is that as I'm driving, well, when I first crank it up, yes, sir. and periodically as I'm driving, it's not constant, I hear a screeching noise. Okay. So, uh, so I assume it's a fan belt. Right. So, well, uh, let me ask you this, Mike. Does the noise still there when you stop driving? And if you're sitting still with the motor running, is the noise still there? No, it's not. Okay. Well, it's probably not going to be a fan belt because, see, the, uh, the engine's still running with, when the car's sitting still. Correct. I would suspect more likely going to be a U-joint. That's pretty common on those, and you'll get a screech, 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 screech noise, and it will go away when you speed up. When you get to a certain speed, you won't hear it anymore. Correct. Is that kind of what you're hearing? Yes, it is. Do you hear it a lot, like at low speed, like when you're backing up? Screech, 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 screech. Uh, well, no, uh, uh, not when I'm backing up at all. Okay. Around parking lot uh, speed going forward? Parking lot speed going forward? No, uh, all I'm going forward. Okay. Well, I would check the U-joints first. And I'm not okay. saying that's what it is, but that is a classic thing that produces that little squeak noise. And uh, when you stop the vehicle, it'll stop. Okay. Because now, okay. the drive shaft stops, but the motor's still turning, see? The correct way to check that drive shaft is take it out of the vehicle. Right. Because it can still feel tight in the vehicle. Right. But the U-joint could be froze up. Yeah, so you can get a U-joint that is frozen completely up, and it's good and uh -huh. tight. There's no slack in it, but it's all rusty inside. So you really have to take the shaft out and operate all those little trunnions by right. hand and see if any of them are tight or binding. Okay. What you'll probably find is when you take it out, you'll find it almost immediately. Yeah. Okay, okay. Now, a friend of mine said that he had a similar problem. Uh-huh. 
His was a pretty season up. Well, you can get all that, but again, Mike, the reason I lean away from that is if the vehicle sits still with the motor running and it doesn't do it, all that's still turning. Right. That's if it. it only does it when you're rolling, it's that's probably right. not going to be that. It's probably going to be more something in the drive line, which is more likely to you joint. Now, again, it's possible it could be a wheel bearing. It could be all kinds of things. But yeah. if it noise stops when you stop, then it's not anything on the motor. Yeah. Because the motor's okay. still running. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay, okay Mike. Check. Thank you, man. All right. Yeah. Bye-bye. If you want to be part of the automotive, we would love to hear from you. Why don't you go give us a call? We got David online. Good morning, David. Hey, guys. Yes, hey, I got a question. I've got a 97 uh, Chrysler Concord. Mm -hmm. Car sat up for about four years before it was started. Okay. Fooled around with it, got it started. Uh -huh. It kind of popped and misfired and sputtered and all that. Yes, so we got, you know, ran starter fluid in and blah, blah, blah. Okay. Got it running, ran fine, no misses, no idles good and all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. Took it to Lake Charles the other day. I drove about 130 miles. The engine just started slowing down, slowing down, yes. slowing down. Mm -hmm. And eventually it just shut down where I couldn't start. It would do that same thing, miss it and pop it in. And yes, sir. Wouldn't, wouldn't yes, start. Sir. Mm hmm I sat, let the car sit for about an hour and a half, two hours. Yes, sir. Once it got cold, cranked it right up, ran again. Yes, sir. For about another 130 miles. Yes, sir. And then sir. it just shut back down till it cooled back down for about three hours. It cooled back down, started right back up yes, and runs. And I've been driving the car around town for about three weeks. Yes, sir. And never had a problem with it. Just I'll tell like you that. what the very most likely thing is, is probably you got some moisture and or rust built up in the fuel tank. Uh -huh. And what's happening is that on a long drive, it kind of plugs up that little microscreen on the pump, which is going to overheat the pump. Okay. When the pump overheats, it's going to start shutting down. As it starts shutting down, you start losing fuel pressure. Okay. As you lose fuel pressure, you're going to slow down more and more and more because when it cuts back the fuel, you know, the engine's just going to it's just going to bog down and lose its power. Exactly. Eventually, it's going to get hot and it's going to kick out. When it does, it's going to die. And if it sits there, it's going to cool off and it may come back again. That would just be my first suspicion. The way you would have to verify that is to put a fuel pressure gauge on it and then go drive it and see if the fuel pressure starts dropping off, then that's it. If okay, the fuel pressure does not drop off, then you could be into an ignition module or any of those kinds of things, but it's just... The, yeah, that's another the, thing I want to say. It seems like when I, the more I try to start it, it would, you know, the gauges on your instrument panel mm -hmm. would flash like the cruise light. Would, you'd hear this kind of clicking sound in the inside of the dashboard. Yeah. Kind of makes me, it made me think it was something I had to do with electric. Well, it's possible. It is possible, but I would first put a fuel pressure gauge on it just because that is a reasonably inexpensive test you can run. That is going to eliminate the vast majority of the possibilities for you. Now, if that comes back positive, in other words, if it slows down and dies and fuel pressure is still good, then you can forget all that. Then you can start hunting an electrical problem. Okay, would but, it do that on just a few miles or would I have to run it? No, you probably going to have to run it until it starts occurring. Okay, so you'd have to run about it. You could put it on a lift and run it, right? No, I probably wouldn't do that. What I would do is hook a fuel pressure gauge to it, tape it to the outside of the windshield where I could see it. Uh -huh. you just take some duct tape, tape the gauge to the outside of the windshield because you don't want that gauge in the car with you just right. because it's got fuel in it, and just drive it until it does it. That's going to be a definitive test, and, I mean, that fuel pressure starts dropping, you know right off the bat that's what it is. You hadn't wasted any money. You hadn't wasted any time because, I mean, you start hunting electrical problems, you could be hunting for the rest of your life. Yeah, right. And if it comes back to be a fuel problem, you can feel real silly. So I would yeah. test that first because so that that's would make, that the, would mean it would be the fuel pump. Well, right? not necessarily. Not necessarily. I mean, it could be just some trash in the tank, be some rust in the tank, and if it does have rust and you got to replace the tank, you're not going to clean it out. 
got it's just going to keep recurring. I'll tell you one thing you might want to do if you don't want to go to all that trouble. That's just kind of a country boy way of sort of kind of telling you the same thing. Pull the fuel filter off of it and cut mm-hmm. it open and see what's in the fuel filter. Where would that be? Is that in the tank? No, I don't not think so. Not it's on... going to be underneath the bottom of the car somewhere. Yeah, somewhere under the car. But if you cut that fuel filter open and it's uh-huh. full of rust and stuff, you pretty right. much know your problems in the tank. Okay. All right. Okay, I, I would try you. that first. I always, I always like to do the simple stuff first. Yeah, I got you. I appreciate it. <laughs> All Thank you, man. Okay, All David. Right. Bye-bye. Remember, if you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we would love to have you. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? Just in case you don't care to call in, don't want to call in. Maybe think of something during the week. That's right. You can always visit our website. It's www.agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O. A-U-T-O.com. Right. Easy way to remember that's Altazan's Garage Company. That's right. And there's three databases there on the site you can search. There's the vehicle questions, which mm-hmm. is kind of a short, to-the-point answer to a particular question. Yep. Got almost 600 of those in there now. That's it. There's the AGCO questions, right. which are questions pertaining to AGCO, like, you know, what kind of credit cards you take. Right. How much how, you charge for a diagnosis. Right. What, what hours. hours exactly. How do I make an appointment. Exactly. That kind of stuff. And then there's the detailed topics question, right. which is a in-depth answer to a particular topic. Right. Lots and lots of those in there. In fact, just added a couple of new ones. There's one in there on tire pressure monitoring systems that sheds a whole lot of light. Uh, that's something that people are only now starting to see. I think 2009 they actually became fully monitored. 2007 six. they started. Well, seven. they started seven. They started yeah. seven or six, but right. I think by nine, they every car all, sold in the U.S. has to comply with that. And that's that little annoying light that keeps popping on. Yeah. That's something that's going to get more and more and more annoying as time goes on for a number of reasons. A lot of them are covered in that article, things you can do to prevent problems. Right. Some things you can, can't really do to prevent problems is that there's a battery in them that will go dead over some period of time. They're predicting seven to eight years life on those batteries. So they went in service in 2007. Probably somewhere around 2015, we're going to start seeing all those batteries going right. dead and lights, lights popping on right and left. So something you might want to just look in there and see what you can what you can see. There are ways to prevent some problems, too. Exactly. Also exactly. put another one in there just this morning on myths about automatic transmission service. That covers a lot of the questions that we have. www.agcoauto.com, agcoauto.com. Pop in there and see what you think. I think you'll really like it. Hey, we're going to take a quick little break and be right back with more in the Automotive Hour. Travel my way, take the highway, that's the best. I get your kicks. Hey, Lewis Aldazan from Agco Automotive. This year we celebrate 40 years in business, and you won't believe the people calling in to congratulate us. Hey, Lewis, it's Jay. You, you know, I'm into cars myself, and 40 years of business is amazing, just amazing. You know, if I still had my show, I'd have you in the interview chat just like that. Mr. Aldazan, congratulations from your old pal Jack. 40 years is quite an accomplishment, and that's the truth. I should know because I can handle the truth. Uh, uh, Lewis, it's, it's me, Oz. 40 years. I, I can't even... Bloody amazing. Sharon, where's my cell phone? Oh, that's right. I, I, I'm on it. Now I've got to find my glasses. Well, it's been really nice getting all these calls. I guess in this day and age, people really appreciate an automotive repair shop that does good work and will never steal your own. Agco. After 40 years, it's still the place to go. Hey, 
Welcome back. You just joined us as the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldezan. Got our lead tech, Brian Terry, here. Between two of us, I think we can answer just about any question you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? Got every line wide open. And I can absolutely guarantee you that listening to these calls coming in is a whole lot more interesting than listening to me and you That's exactly. babble back and forth. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so why don't you go ahead and give us a call? Put you right up at the top of the list. What you don't want to do is wait to the end of the show to call because it seems like just every week, a lot right. of people calling right in the show, and we get booted out of here right at 11 o'clock, and there's people still on hold, don't get the question answered. So. Or you have to get a, a short answer where a, a lengthy answer would be a, a better deal. Yeah, give them the bums rush. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't want to do that, so go ahead and call in right now. We'll get you up at the top of the list and ask you questions for you. And we've got Scott online. Good morning, Scott. Good morning. How Good you morning. doing? Doing great, sir. I have a 2002 Camry. Okay. And I got about 273,000 miles okay. on it. Okay, yes, sir. And what I've been having is my check engine light comes on, mm-hmm. and it'll run for about a tank of gas, and uh-huh. then it'll turn off. Okay. And it'll come on, and it's throwing a 420 code, which it says a catalytic converter yes, and sir. oxygen sensors and stuff. And I, I, I don't know where to start. Scott, the best thing to do on that is to probably bring it to someone who can test that properly. There's two or three main possibilities with that code. One is that the upstream and downstream O2 sensors are not talking to each other properly, so it thinks the converter is bad. Now, that can be a failed sensor on the rear. It can be a failed sensor on the front. It can be the wiring in between the two. It can even be a computer driver. Now, those are probably less likely than some of the others. The other is the converter itself is bad. And with that many miles on, it wouldn't be that out of the ordinary that the converter could have failed. They do last a long, long, long time, but they do have a life. They're running probably 1,000 to 1,500 degrees. So at some point in time, they do just go out. They lose efficiency. Yeah, uh, I had it changed at around 80,000 miles. Yeah, and, well, uh, you figure you got 200,000 exactly. past then, so you did pretty darn good with it. One of the things, Scott, that shortens the life of catalytic converters, and I'm not accusing you of doing this, but a lot of folks do, if you're not real careful with your oil changes and you start putting the wrong oil in it, like if you put 10W30 instead of 5W30 or mm-hmm. put heavier weight oils in there, mm-hmm. what that does, that oil creates a lot of volatility because the crank is beating through and it's throwing all that mist up in the air. The PC system is scavenging it, and what happens is it's like dumping fuel in the fire. It'll actually melt one of those converters down. Another okay. thing that kills converters is if an oxygen sensor fails, then mm-hmm. and people don't go get it changed and say, well, it's just an oxygen sensor, but that's what's controlling the fuel-air mixture. So now you dump yeah. an extra fuel into the converter, and that will melt it down. Okay. And something like a dirty airflow meter can do the same thing. Any one of those can cause the converter to fail. But just sort of a, I guess, easy test or, or just something for your own that you can do. If you got, Do you have a digital thermometer by any chance, like all those infrared thermometers, you point at stuff and measure temperature? Yeah. Okay, go and drive the car about 70 miles an hour for about 20 minutes. Come back and point it at that converter and see how hot it is. And okay. if it is up around 800 to 1,000 degrees, then it's probably working okay. You probably got another problem. If it's relatively cool, 200, 300, 400 degrees, it's probably not working. Okay. It's more likely going to be the converter. Okay. All righty. Thank you. Okay, Scott, thank you, man. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we would love to have you. Well, those converters are one of the things that, They've been on cars for a number of years. Yeah, since the early 80s. Oh, yeah. And even diesels and all are having converters put on them now. Some cars even have two, three. I've seen one with four Four. catalytic converters on there. And they can be just god-awful expensive. Oh, yeah. Yeah, anywhere from 500 up. Yeah, we had a Ford product, and for some reason, Ford seems to be 
one of the higher ones. Yeah, well, a, they running they running four converters. Yeah, we had a Mustang come in. It was twenty five hundred dollars mm-hmm. for the converter, and it came as an assembly. You can only buy it that way, right? And I mean, that basically totaled the car. Just yeah. because it was more the car was worth to exactly. fix. And, of course, you can't get an inspection sticker. So what you want to do is everything you can do to protect that converter. Right. One of the first things is that, like I alluded to with the other caller, is always use the right oil in the engine. Don't ever fall into this myth about, well, my car is older, so I'm going to put thicker oil in there. That, number one, does not do any good and can cause an awful lot of problems. Oh, exactly. You know, the engineer that designed that engine, designed it. With a lot that, of factors in mind. Right. He had that all designed for that engine. Right. He could have specified any oil he wanted. Exactly. And that's the one he spec. So put the right oil in it. Number two, when your check engine light comes on, no matter what the reason, get it fixed right away. Right. Because almost everything that makes that light come on also is going to affect that catalytic converter. For instance, something like a misfiring spark plug. When that plug misfires, a charge of gas goes into that converter because it didn't get burned. Right. Or if you have a thermostat that's not working, the engine's running too rich, the extra gas going into the converter. Almost anything that affects the check engine light is also going to affect your catalytic converter. So you want to get all those problems resolved. You're going to have to do it anyway. You're not going to get an inspection sticker. So there's no use driving around for six months with that light on because you are going to cause yourself more problems in the most case right. down the road. It's, it's just going to get worse. It's going to get and, way worse and cost you a lot more. And don't fall into that where well, the, the light went out, so everything must be okay. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's coming back. It's yeah. coming back. It's just not tested for that right now. So you could probably save yourself just a whole lot of money and time and aggravation just to go ahead and address that right off the bat. Catalytic converter can pretty much last the life of the car, but it also can be killed pretty darn right. quick. Right, it needs to be protected. Yeah, that's right. Hey, let's go back to our phone. I've got Frank online. Good morning, Frank. Good morning, y'all. Good yes, morning. Sir. I've got a 05 Lincoln LS six cylinder. And yes, sir. Car it just turned a hundred thousand mile. Car runs great on the interstate and open roads. And but mm-hmm. the minute I have to come to a stop, mm-hmm. it it kicks a little bit. The engine kicks a little bit. I don't know if it's coming from the uh, transmission. And then if I get in a uh, a real crowded area where I'm going five, six, seven miles an hour yes, in traffic, sir. it does the same thing. It almost wants to choke down and quit. And other than that, the car runs fine. Yeah, almost sounds to me like it's not coming out of lockup. There's a converter, in the torque converter, there's a clutch. And at a certain speed, what happens is that that clutch locks up the converter so that it's one-to-one. It doesn't slip anymore. Okay. And sort of like you clutch in your car. You let it out and the car goes, you push it in and the car stops. Well, it's a clutch inside the torque converter. Now, when you hit the brakes, it's supposed to release that clutch. Okay. And that allows your car to stop with the motor still running. Now, if something malfunctions, for instance, if you're not getting a proper signal to the computer so it knows you're trying to stop, or let's say you have a solenoid that's not opening to release the pressure on that clutch or whatever, the clutch is going to remain partially engaged. And when you come to a stop, it's like trying to stop with the clutch out on a, on a manual car. It's going to start okay. choking the motor down. Okay. From what you describe, and if your RPMs are kind of dropping down like the engine's bogging down. Right. Th- it's kind of, kind, of, kind of knocks a little bit in it. Change out again, but yeah, it's in, it may go ahead and release. Right, maybe just hanging up. Yeah, I would get that checked real quick because it may be something you can fix relatively easy. Some of those solenoids, you can just drop the pan and drop the valve body, and they're right there. You don't have to take transmission out and take it apart to fix. Yeah. So I would probably get that addressed. It could be a failed I'll tell you, solenoid. I the weird problem is I had to get a inspection sticker mm-hmm. and it passed inspection. Yeah, but see, it right. doesn't necessarily check for all of that. It's okay. checking for slipping in the transmission, but it's not necessarily checking every solenoid unless the solenoid is dead shorted or dead open. 
You see, it's and then it'll know because it's an electrical problem. But let's say if I, it's, if I bring it to a mechanic, he he fits on a machine, he'll find it. No, sir. There's no machine that's gonna find that. You have to put okay. a, a pressure gauge on the transmission okay. and drive it with a pressure gauge. Somebody knows what they're doing. Okay. But it can be found pretty easy. You know, it's not anything you go plug in that's gonna find it. It's, it okay, just takes well, a tech that well, knows what he's doing. Where y'all located? I'll bring it to y'all. Yeah, that probably your best bet. <laughs> Why don't you go to my website? It's www.agcoaudo.com and just okay. hit the location. It give you a map from anywhere in the world. Yeah, good deal. Y'all see me. Yeah, we're right there on Corsa Boulevard. Okay, thank you. Okay, man. All right. Thank you, Frank. Bye-bye. All right, if you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we'd love to have you. We've got Jerry on the line. Good morning, Jerry. Oh, good morning. Good morning. First of all, I want to tell you that I absolutely love your show. Well, thank you. I listen to it every Saturday. Well, oh, it's deal. just so much information. All and right. so a female is really taking advantage of when she goes to a repair shop. <laughs> well, they'll take advantage of a male, too. That's <laughs> it. It doesn't matter. Okay, well, let me tell you what my problem is. I have Well, it's not really a problem, but mm-hmm. anyway, I have a 2002 Hyundai yes, Santa Fe, mm-hmm. and it's got 131,000 miles yes, on ma'am. it. It's great. Nothing's wrong with it. Mm-hmm. I get the oil changed. Mm-hmm. Every three to five thousand miles, mm-hmm. keep it up because I know I need to keep it running. Right. Last time I went, they said I needed a timing, timing belt. belt. Yes, ma'am. Uh-huh. And they said it's not. It's recommended every sixty thousand. Well, I did have one. You see, it's recommended at six thousand. It's also recommended at seven years. And your car is, if it's a two thousand two, is eight years old. Right. See, now you probably had serpentine belt replaced. You got them. It's kind of confusing because there's multiple belts on the car. Uh-huh. Uh, the serpentine belts are on the outside. No big deal. The timing belt is on the inside of the motor, and it drives the camshaft. Okay. Why don't you do this? Probably the easiest thing, Jerry. Go to the website, uh-huh. and there's a category that says all about maintenance. Okay. And scroll down to timing belts and okay. click on that. There's a real nice article in there that explains everything about a timing belt, shows you pictures of it and everything else. Oh, okay. See, what you're trying to prevent on there if that belt breaks, and okay. it will break sooner or later, yeah, then the valves are going to quit moving, and the pistons are going to hit the valves, and it's a new car be got at that point. Yeah, he explained that to me. Mm-hmm. But I asked him, I said, well, can you see that no. belt? No, it's under the timing mm-hmm. cover. You can't see it, and even if you can see it, you can't tell if it's going to fail or not. Okay. So you just have to replace them based on years and miles. I got you. One thing, too, Jerry, and if you read that article, you'll find that out. There's some other components under the timing cover that I recommend replacing at the same time uh-huh. just because it's a lot cheaper to do it all at once. For instance, you're going to spend probably 350 to $400 worth of labor to tear the front of that motor apart. Uh-huh. Now, while you're in there, there's a water pump in there that's right, I mean, just right there. And see, water pumps don't last the life of the car. They're going to fail around 100 to 150,000 miles. While you're in there, you can change that water pump for almost nothing extra. Now, if you don't change it, you put time belt on there, you go out and the water pump comes out six months later, you spend another 400 bucks to go back and change the water pump. Plus change the belt again because it got cooler. It's leaked on the new belt. Right. There's some camshaft seals, some crankshaft seals, some idler pulleys. There's a lot of components. Now, if you change them all, it's going to inflate the price somewhat. However, it's much, much cheaper to do it all at once than to have to come back and do it. So pop on in and read that article. It'll explain it to you in depth. It, will it say, give you some kind of warning signs no, or noises? No, no, no. The first symptom you're going to get is a loud pop, the car's going to stop, and the guy at the shop's going to tell you you need a new car. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> the first no symptom. No, no, ma'am. There's no warning. Okay. That's, that's why they give a recommended 
mileage right. and time interval. That's the warning. Okay. The, the belt is designed different from the outside belt, whereas the outside belt runs in a, a groove, mm-hmm. or several grooves through pulleys. The inside belt actually has a cog on or it. Cog wheels. That runs yeah. on a, a toothed pulley on the camshaft and mm-hmm. the crank. And when those cogs break on the belt, there's it no slips. warning there, and it slips, and then the timing gets off, and the valves hit you, the you end up with trouble. Yeah, it looks like a grenade went off in the engine when that happens. Oh, goodness. Yeah. I may just bring my car by there and mm-hmm. let y'all just look at it. Mm-hmm. What, you know, would you do just just a checkup, like, for, well, you know, just to see? We can do a general inspection of the car, which will tell you if you have any other kind of problems or anything, but there's no real inspection on timing belt. You just got to kind of know from your service records if it's ever been replaced. When we change one at Agco, we put a sticker on the outside timing cover that okay. gives the miles yeah. and all that when it was changed. Okay. So the well, next guy do, can see yeah, that. They have the record of uh-huh. it changed okay. at the Hyundai place uh-huh. at like 75,000 miles. Okay, and how many now? 130. Well, if it was changed at 75 and you only got 130, I guess you're getting close, but I don't think it's an emergency. Okay. Uh, how many years ago has it been? I've had the car... Since 2006. So, so less than seven years, though. Yeah. Yeah, since, since 75,000 miles. I would probably change. They recommend, I think, around 60,000 miles yeah, to replace it. Yeah, that's what you told me they yeah. recommend it. The reason they do is because of the interference motor. In other words, right. if it breaks, you will lose the motor. So that's why they give you a lower interval than some cars give you a higher interval. Yeah. But, yeah, I would probably do the math. Whatever you are from 60, I would probably change it real close around then. Okay. And right. if you have your maintenance book. Uh-huh. Bring that with you when yeah. you go so that the technician can look in the book and say, yeah, the timing belt was changed at this mileage. Right. Okay. We don't have to recommend that now. Okay. Because, see, what he's going to do is he's going to look at the mileage on the car and the years on the car and recommend the procedures recommend that need to be belt. done. Right. Okay. And if the timing belt is in there, done. he's going to recommend it. Right. Because okay. it's a big deal to get the cover off. Yeah. If, even if you go take if you it apart. Yeah, you could take it apart, you soon do the job. Right. And the problem is, even if you look at it, you can't say definitively it's been changed or not. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. I appreciate okay, it. Okay, Jerry, right. thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Yes, Bye-bye. Ma'am. Bye-bye. We're going to take one more quick little break. Pete, hang on. You'll be straight up after this break. Hi, folks. Louis Aldazan here from Agco Automotive. Our team is celebrating 40 years in business, and we're getting congratulatory calls from all kinds of characters, and I do mean characters. Zoinks! You know, Louis, me and Scoob will never forget the time that you fixed the alignment on the mystery machine. Forty years is really far out, man. <laughs> Louis, there's a lot of lily-livered varmints out in the automotive world, but not of you. You're the best north, south, east, and west of the Pecos. Hats off to 40 years, partner. Don't! 40 years is almost higher than I can count. My only complaint is that you don't give away free donuts. (sighs) Donuts. Well, it seems like high-quality automotive care in this day and age is still appreciated. I just can't believe all these characters really call. Oh, well, they always say I am quite an animated guy. Agco. After 40 years, it's still the place to go. Join us as the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Altazale, Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between the two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Go ahead and give us a call. We'll try to help you out and point you in the right direction. And we got Pete on the line. Good morning, Pete. Morning. Yes, sir. One quick question. Sure. I have a, a Buick Enclave, and it's kind of like a new model for yes, Buick. Sir. Mm-hmm. 
and the car runs fine, but if you're cruising down the road and you you want to accelerate to mm-hmm. pass another car to yes, change sir. lanes, there's a hesitation, not so much that the car misses, but you can match the accelerator, and then it takes a while for it to catch, and then it jumps. Okay. And, and I, a friend of mine has one, and I, and I asked her about her car. She said, yeah, she does the same thing, so maybe it's something that – have you heard anything about the problem like that? I really haven't heard that particular problem, Pete, but I have seen that problem on other vehicles. A lot of times what causes that – is a dirty airflow meter because what happens, the airflow meter responds to the air when you open the throttle. Mm-hmm. In other words, it sees more air coming in, so it gives it more fuel, and that makes it accelerate. Yeah. If that meter is slightly dirty, then it will have a hesitation or a bog when you accelerate. Now, General Motors, of course, says, no, you can't clean it. you got to put a new airflow meter, but they're in the business of selling airflow meters. Right. <laughs> I've had pretty good luck cleaning those meters. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got to be very, very careful because you can damage it, and it's a pretty expensive part. But I would probably start with cleaning the airflow meter, cleaning the throttle body, and pay particular attention to what type of air filter you got on the car. Yeah. Be sure that whatever you do, go buy you an AC Delco air filter. Some of the air filters you buy aftermarket just don't fit very well, and dirt leaks around them, and that will really affect that airflow meter. Mm-hmm. One of the big problem that I've seen, in my opinion, is the filters with the oil in them. Yeah. That oil tends to soak through the airstream if you put a little bit too much, and that can get on an airflow meter and really foul it up. We yeah. take those out all the time put the original filters back in. But that would be the first place I would start looking it's also possible you could have something like a throttle position sensor with a little glitch in it, and it just doesn't know when yeah. you first open the throttle. It may even be a computer update or a flash for that. I just have to look up your car and run the VIN number on it and see. Because it, it's been doing that since day one, since right. it's a brand-new car. Yeah, are you still in the warranty, Pete? Yeah, still in the warranty. If yeah. you're still in the warranty, right. I'd bring that to the attention of the dealership because, I mean, you already paid for that warranty. It was including the price of the car. Right. See if there's a flash update for that. A lot of times when they design a car – They'll get a little glitch in it like that, yeah. and they'll come out with an updated software, and they can reflash the computer and get that out, and that should be free of charge to you. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. So it could be a flash for it. Like I said, I don't work on a ton of enclaves. I probably worked on a few dozen of them, but they hadn't been out long enough. Most of them are still under warranty. Right, right. So I don't check the bulletins on them every day, but I would first check bulletins, check TSB, see if there's anything like that. If not, I'd probably clean the airflow meter and clean the throttle body and see if that doesn't get rid of it. All righty. Okay, appreciate it. Thank you, Pete. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You want to be part of the automotive hour, we'd love to have you. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call. We'll be glad to try to help you out and point you in the right direction. That vehicle has the new throttle system on it, yes, which sir. is the drive-by wire. Drive-by wire. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've noticed my truck, if you get on it real hard like mm-hmm. that, it's an 06 mm-hmm. Chevrolet, mm-hmm. and it'll bog and then catch up. It could very well be. I'm just wondering well if it's just a characteristic of that. It could very that. well be inherent in there because what is happening is that that particular vehicle is going to have at least two throttle sensors on it, or accelerator got, sensors, they call it. three. Sometimes three, yeah. yeah. And when you mash the pedal, all three of those have to correlate, send a signal to the PCM, tell it that you're opening the throttle, then the PCM has to send a command back to the throttle body, and it opens a motor, which actually opens the throttle. Exactly. And certainly the signals can travel 186,000 miles a second, speed of light, right. but those mechanical but servos and, right. take a split second to respond that's why I wonder if possibly there's a flash update. Very possible is. See, it may be that PCM may be busy looking at other things. They may not have given that top priority. Right. And when it sees throttle, it may do some other things first. And, and they then. may go in and they find it annoying. They change the priority, which it looks at the sensors. And with it may a, possibly eliminate that with problem. With a software update. Yeah, software update. Right. And basically, they are the only ones who can. That's the only place you can get it from. Produce that. Now, we can do the update for you. 
any good quality shop that has a Tech 2 in this particular case right. can do the updates. We buy the updates from GM and Ford and Chrysler and Toyota and Honda, same as everybody else does. But the, the manufacturer, manufacturer is the only one exactly. who can produce those updates. Right. The we EPA, can access them. Yeah, the EPA is very, very, very stringent on what they will allow them to do. I'm sure. Because when they come up with software to run this vehicle, they have to put it on a test stand and run it. And there's probably four or five suits standing there with clipboards and pencils watching right. the emissions. And they tell them pretty much what they can and they can't do. I mean, if you don't think the EPA's got some power, yeah. <laughs> just get on the wrong yeah, side of them. Exactly. Yeah, you'd rather be on the wrong side of the IRS than the EPA, I can tell you. <laughs> but they tell them what they can and cannot do. So anytime they want to make a change to the operating software of that vehicle, they have to get that approved through the EPA. They have to submit it to EPA. Correct. Explain to them why they're making these changes. Explain to them what the impact on emissions could possibly be and all those kinds of things. So... It may even be, you know, I know that some of the newer vehicles, if you're sitting still, just sitting at an idle, and you punch it, it'll ignore you. It right. won't even allow you to punch it. Because what happens when you punch that throttle, a column of exhaust gas comes flying out the tailpipe, goes right through the converter. It's called a punch through. It's traveling too fast for the converter to react to it, so it punches it right through the converter. And that is one thing they do not want to have happen. Exactly, because there's raw emissions out in the atmosphere. Right. That's one reason they went to drive-by-wire, so they could eliminate that kind of thing. It used to be that the throttle was an input to the computer. Now it's an output from, from the, computer. the computer. The computer is controlling the throttle. What you're doing by mashing the accelerator is strictly sending an input to the computer for a request for acceleration, just like more and more things, right. sort of like your air conditioning. When you push that button, you're not turning the air conditioning on. No, you're sending a request to the computer. The Re computer's deciding. air conditioning. It takes a bunch of parameters into effect. And it decides whether the air conditioning needs to come on or right, not. Right, because if it's 30 degrees outside, it's not kicking that compressor on. Because exactly. it knows it could damage the compressor. If the engine is overheating, it's not turning that compressor on. Right. So it will totally ignore you. Yeah. <laughs> Override yeah. Kind of big brother. We know what's better for you. <laughs> <laughs> you don't get an air conditioner. You know, yeah. The car knots it, you know. There you go. <laughs> yeah, we'll let you know when you need air conditioning. So that's the way it sort of works. And I would imagine that it could possibly be that there are some lag times there it right. depends on the parameters that they set in the pcm when they program and, and priority it's funny with programming you pretty much have complete control of the way the program is going to be executed many times what they'll do is the top priority of any power control module is to keep the car running right simply because when it shuts that car down you've got certain liabilities let's say you've got a person who is in a dangerous situation say, in a bad area of town. Okay. The computer looks at certain parameters and says, hey, this is a problem shutting down. Boom, shuts the car down. Now, if that person gets injured, that's not going to bode very well with the liability lawyers. Right. So the top priority on your PCM is to keep that car running. Now, that works into problems in that a lot of times there are things that the computer could do shut it down and protect it, and it will not do. And folks don't understand that. That's why preventive maintenance is so important. Sort of like an early caller wants you to get a warning. No, you're not going to get a warning. It's going to keep on running. That happens, for instance, it sitting there watching the time and the miles, and when the timing belt gets worn out, it could shut the car down if it wanted to. Right. But it can't do that because it'll keep you running. Where that really, really gets to be a problem is like on the transmissions. If you don't service your transmission, there's two circuits in a transmission a lot of folks don't realize, but you've got the hydraulic circuit, which applies the clutches and stuff, makes the car go. Right. Then you've got the lubrication circuit. 
and they're basically two separate circuits, all of them are using the same fluid. Now, let's say you're driving along and your filter becomes restricted because you haven't changed the filter and it gets restricted. As the pressure starts to drop, the first thing the computer is going to decide is, okay, we're not, we don't have enough pressure. Open the solenoid, raise the pressure. When it gets to maximum, it can't raise it anymore and it's still not enough. It's going to make a decision that says, okay, put the pressure to the clutches. Cut the lube circuit. Right. And it will do that and that car will keep on going, but it will burn the car up. Now, that may sound counterintuitive, but again, remember the priority of the computer is to keep the car moving, not disable that car. Right. So it will basically sacrifice the transmission to keep you moving. So the driver has to have enough sense to know that, hey, check engine lights on. It's acting funny. I got to stop. My, yes, time to stop and, and get it checked. Or That's right. If you keep on pushing it, it's going to burn it up. That happens the same thing with the engine. If the engine overheats, the first thing it's going to do is kick a light on and say, oh, I'm overheating. You well, keep on a- driving, it's going to flash the light. You keep on driving, it's going to start shutting down the non-essential systems. It's going to shut down the AC. It's going to shut down the stuff it doesn't need. Eventually, it's going to start shutting down cylinders to pump air through the engine to try to cool it down. But when it comes right down to it, if you keep on going, it's just going to keep on going. Yeah, it's it going to go burn, as long as it can. It'll burn the engine up. When the engine fails, then it's going to stop. Well, and that's up to the driver. You know, take the first notion that something's wrong that's and right. stop and or stop in a in a safe part of town. That'll or pay the price. Pay the price. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I, I read a thing the other night. It said, "Wisdom comes from suffering." <laughs> <laughs> I said, "I guess that's really true of that distance." That's it. Hey, we're gonna take one more quick little break and be right back with more. Hi, it's Louis Altazan from Agco Automotive. It's our 40-year anniversary, and the phone's been ringing off the hook with congrats from far and wide. Good day, and congratulations from Buckingham Palace. Next time you're in London, Lewis, you must stop by for tea. I'm restoring an old Aston Martin and have some questions about the timing adjustments. Hope to see you soon. Lewis, it's your nanny. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I wanted to call and tell you how proud I am of you. Forty years is nothing to sneeze at. (laughs) Lewis, fixing cars right the first time for over 40 years. You've been a very good boy. I think I have something special for you this year. Keep up the good work. See, calls from far and wide. I guess 40 years of high-quality work really means a lot to people and keeps me on the nice list. Now I can't wait for Christmas. Agco. After 40 years, it's still the place to go. segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Altazan, president of Agco Automotive. Got lead tech Brian Terry here with me. Hey, between two of us, we'll answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us calls? And just in case you don't get a chance to call in, don't care to call in. Maybe think of something during the week That's and right. need an answer for it, you can always visit our website. Right. It's www.agcoauto.com. It's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Right. Hey, easy way to remember that. It's Altazan's Garage Company. Right. You know, a lot of times folks will say, well, y'all say that name so fast, I can't get it. I, exactly. It's A-D-C-O-E-A-C-C-O. No, it's A-G-C-O. Right. Altazan's Garage Company. Altazan's Garage Company is an easy, easy way to get that acronym right. There you go. There's three databases there on the site. You can search for different topics. Right. There's the vehicle questions, which is a short to the point 
answer to a particular right. question. And when you do a search there, what you want to do is put the least amount into that search as you can, and that's going to give you way more results. For instance, if you wanted a used car checklist, if you type in used car checklist, and when I put it in, I put it as used vehicle checklist, you're not going to get anything back. Right. But if you just put the word checklist, boop, it's going to pop right back up to you. And then you can so search. So when you're searching, There's less more. is more. Less is always <laughs> more. So, yeah, on a search, you always want to put the least amount possible in there, and that way right. you can get the most answers back. Then you can screen right through those, and you can find exactly what you're looking for. Exactly. There's the detail topics right. section, which is a long answer, very in-depth answer mm-hmm. to a particular topic. And you know, I think that's probably one of the best parts of the site, in my opinion, just because it gives you so much more information on a specific topic. For instance, if you want to know what's the correct air pressure to run in your tires, well, there's an article on air pressure, and it goes into not only how to determine that, got pictures of tires where you can look at it you can look at wear patterns and you can see if you got the right amount of air in your tires based on that just a whole lot of information on that one particular topic right so you don't have to scan through all kinds of how tires made and all that to find out what is the proper amount of air that goes in tire but if you want a lot of information it's all there right it's a wonderful site for information right that can't really you can find it elsewhere, but you can't find it all together like you can on our site. And what I find is that so many of the sites, because I look at other folks' sites as well just to kind of get ideas, a lot of those have sort of an agenda behind them. They're right. pushing a product. They're trying to sell you something. So they're going to slant their information towards that. Exactly. Either that or they're so generically written that they're basically of no useless. use. They're exactly. just absolutely useless. They're so politically correct and, and generically written right. that there's just absolutely, well, maybe this will be such and such sort of kind of on the, well, yeah, <laughs> You don't right. need that kind of information. Yeah, it's really not going to do you. It's not geared to do you a whole lot of good. Right. So, Pop on there and see what you think. It's agcoauto.com, A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. I think you'll really like it. Pop on there and look around. Tell me what you think. Hey, we're going back to the phone lines. Got Bill online. Good morning, Bill. Morning. How you doing? Doing Good great, morning. sir. I've got a little trouble with my wife's truck. Okay. She got the ABS system. The little, I guess, it's the fan that keeps the thing cool that wouldn't shut off. No, it's uh, not the fan. That's the pump running. Yeah, it's yeah. a little pump, and you got to either pull the fuse out or disconnect the battery to stop it. It sits there and runs continuously. Well, I took the fuse. Yes, sir. I took the fuse out. Yes, sir. My question is: is in order to get this thing fixed? Mm-hmm. Guy told me it was a mechanic. Told me it's probably uh, the uh, module. Module on frame rail, it is. Right. And uh, he said uh, the module that was about four something is now about twelve something. It is obscenely expensive from General Motors. Yes, sir. Now I tell you what you can do, Bill. If you want to bring it by the shop. Yes, sir. I can pull that module off for you. I can give you the address of a place to send it. It'll take about a week, and you can drive it without it. They will rebuild that thing for you for about two hundred bucks, and then we can oh, put it right. back on. All right, so and they give you a lifetime it. warranty on the rebuild. The beauty part right. about that is you can still drive the truck with yeah, the module. Yeah, we, we can take it. it off, take some plastic wrap, wrap the area up for you, and yes. when you get it back, it does a really good job. We'll put it back on for you, and you can fix that problem reasonably. General Motors is just absolutely freaking out. They'll do anything they can to try to get the old cars off the road, and right. if they can just gouge your eyes out on a part, they say, well, maybe you'll go buy a new truck. They're, they're <laughs> running the parts price up on everything. Man, I mean, we are seeing parts prices that used to be $100, now they're $1,000. I mean, just obscene increases yeah. in parts prices. Yeah. Parts we bought last six months ago for $250, yeah, and now, now 500 four, Yeah, 400 bucks. Not only right. that, they're discontinuing a lot of parts. Right. It's just absolutely uh-huh. refusing to sell them to you. In fact, somebody told me they went to a dealership the other day, 
with a 98-mile truck, and they told me it don't work on anything at all. I said, oh, huh? my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you better know, move I, out I, of South Louisiana, Jack. No kidding. <laughs> Folks down yeah. here can't afford to buy a new car every few years. I said, well, I just, send them, just send them to me. I ain't got a problem with it. <laughs> yeah. I was listening to your program last week, and you were talking about a fellow that was getting either a half ton or a three-quarter for work uh, to pull things in. Yes, sir. And you were telling him about the, up to about a 2006 or seven truck. Yes, sir. You know, I like uh, those a whole lot better. The ones after 08, in my opinion, man, they're having way too many problems. We're seeing those right. things coming in 50, 60, 70,000 miles, needing engines, needing transmissions, needing rear ends, I mean, on a daily basis. Right. If I was a younger man, I'd have five shops right now because, I mean, you can't hardly keep up with the workload. Right. I understand that. A lot of the stuff from these foreign countries, Mexico, China, and different oh, yeah. places, a lot of the parts are not very good. They, they're not and that they hot. don't last. They're not that hot. I don't know what kind of standards they're building them to. We've got a truck in the shop right now, and the cylinder head's got porosity. leaking coolant into the oil. And, I right. mean, it's just about wiped the engine out. That's the second one in three months. Yeah. Mr. what kind of hours you got at your shop? 7 o'clock to 5.30, Monday through Thursday, and 7 to noon on Friday. Oh, okay. That's good. Well, I, I'm on to about getting that truck by there. Yeah, so just we can uh, get that. call Elaine Monday morning, and she'll set you up a time to get it in. Take me about 45 minutes to an hour to diagnose it, make sure that's what it is, pull that old one off, insulate it up for you, yes, and then you can send it off. When you get it back, come back by 45 minutes, put it back on. Okay. All righty. I appreciate that. All Thank right. you, sir. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. You want to be part of the automotive hour? We'd love to have you. I guess the one good side, if there is a good side, to – People getting greedy like the car companies are and gouging people's eyes out on parts is that it sort of creates a lot of little cottage industries. It, it spawns a new... You know, American people are very, very creative folks. Right. Very handy folks. And so you start gouging a guy's eyes out, somebody's going to look at that mind and say, hey, I can fix that. <laughs> a whole lot less whole and still lot make, less. A, make a good living doing it. If the module costs $75, it's not worth rebuilding well, just exactly. because his time is not worth it. But when you start to get greedy, you're going to create a whole new little industry out there to address oh, yeah. that problem. Yeah. And we are starting to see that more and more. I think it's a, it's a great thing. We're starting to see more and more things like that popping up, repair services and ways to fix things. Even redesigned parts. Right. Much there's, better than the original There's junk. several companies that have taken the, the parts that are constantly failing, pattern well, failures. The General Motors them. 4L60E that drop, that breaks the reaction shell, I mean, right. 60,000 miles, you got a Chevy truck with all the parts are in the pan. When we rebuild that, we have a much heavier reaction shell we can put in there. We've got heavier clutches we can put in. We have a better torque converter. We can rebuild that unit far, far better than the original was. Exactly. So... It's sort of, I guess, the indomitable American spirit. No matter how hard you try to make it on them, somebody's going to rise to the top and come up with a way to well, that's it. To get around you. I think that's a good thing. I think that's what Yankee Ingenuity was all about. And we had kind of sort of got away from it for a while there, but well, it looks like we're... That's pretty much where this country came from. Well, it is. It's, it's exactly the reason we started the country, because we didn't like the way things were where we were. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. unless you're an American Indian, you're not native to this, <laughs> this continent. You know, Everybody came over here was looking for something better. Yep. And uh, that is one thing that actually built this country. So, hey, let's go back to our phone lines with George. Good morning, George. Hey, good morning. How y'all doing? Doing great, sir. Question concerning 2005 uh, Chevy Silverado okay. crew cab. Got the dual air conditioning control. Yes, right. Every once in a while, the something happens, and the direct driver's side yes, starts sir. getting blasted hot. with just this hot air. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah, go, might go tick, 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 tick. 
Oh, yeah, it, it flaps. Yeah, yeah, there's part in there called an actuator, a blend door actuator. Mm-hmm. And what it is, it's a little motor with a plastic gear in there. And when you operate that thing wide open or all the way off, it goes to one extreme or the other. And what it does is measuring what they call counts. It's got a little rheostat tells it where yeah. the position is. Step if it loses track of those counts, then the computer's going to sit there and keep pulsing it, which is your kick, 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 kick. And it's going to lose track of where it's at, so it's going to flap that door all the way to hot. No one's going to be the little motor itself. You might go on my website and look up an article on heaters. Just search for heaters on, on the detailed topics. Real nice article. It has pictures, pictures of the motors, how to do it. We can replace that little motor. It's not a real major deal. Fortunately, the one left is the easiest one to change. It takes about an hour and a half to change it. Little motor's probably about 90 bucks. Now, some of the other ones, there's four of them on there. Some of them you have to take the entire dash out to change. But fortunately, that one's pretty easy. Okay. All right, sir. I'll get on your website and take a look. Thanks for the info. Sounds great, man. Thank you. Mm, Bye-bye. Thank you for calling this week and every week on the Automotive Hour. Preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.